The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 253. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. Richard Ryerson here. Thanks for tuning in to Dose of Leadership. I'm excited today. got a great guest today. Brad Lee, who's the CEO, founder, chairman, and CEO of Lightspeed VT. Great conversation. I was excited to get him on the show. And I'm looking forward to bringing you here in a few minutes. But before I do, I want to talk about a couple of things. First and foremost, if you're finding some value in Dose of Leadership, this great free resource for you. If you want to support, I set up a Patreon account. And uh, I don't do advertising anymore on this show. I did in, sometimes in the beginning, but uh, Patreon is kind of like uh, a way for you to pledge support for the show if you're finding some value. Again, no pressure if you don't want to, but if you do, I would be highly uh, appreciative if you did. But Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Dose of Leadership will take you to my page and you can pledge support for the show. And again, your support goes a long way to helping me make this show even better. And I'll be doing it for three years. And uh, if you're finding some value, I'd appreciate if you go there. My latest supporter, Eric Leschuk, thank you so much for your generous support. I'm blown away by your generous contribution. And thank you so much for supporting Dose of Leadership. Also, I encourage you to go to richardryerson.com. You can find out more about my speaking, my coaching, uh, my masterminds that I'm doing. I'm getting ready to start another mastermind. I'm halfway through um, a Saturday morning mastermind I'm doing with uh, John Maxwell's Intentional Living. That one's halfway done. I'm going to start another one here in a few weeks, looking like it'll be late March, early April. And uh, I would, if you want some more information, you can go to richardryerson.com and click on the masterminds uh, tab. You can find out more information there. And the Intentional Living one with John Maxwell is the one I'll be launching here. If you want more information, you can find out there. And then the last thing I'm asking your support for is I just launched uh, my first client. We're doing an internal show where I do an internal podcast with an organization, and we're launching it here in uh, March. But basically what it is is I am the host of an internal show for an organization, an organization that's spread out geographically where communication is always a challenge. And so what we've done is they've brought me in, and I host an internal show where I let – gives an opportunity for the CEO – for other leaders in the organization, for team members, for employees, for line-level employees, to highlight them. It's at the heart of it are authentic conversations where I have these conversations with the organization. And it's a way for the organization to stay engaged, informed, connected, and it's pushed out to a branded mobile app, to their iPhones, to their Android phones. 
And it's a way for an organization to connect with their key stakeholders or team members in a way they never have been able to before. And at the heart of it is me driving and guiding, engaging in authentic conversations. And the whole idea is to drive engagement and connection throughout the organization. So it's a chance for the CEO to highlight an employee, to talk about a new incentive or a new initiative. It's a way to highlight a star performer in the organization or talk about brand standards or training, whatever the case. It's limitless what you can do with this internal show. So I'm looking for organizations, again, that are challenged with communication spread over large areas like a real estate agency that's looking over two to 3,000 agents or a hotel chain or a restaurant chain or a multi-level marketing chain that is looking to um, motivate and encourage and inspire their, their team members. I can take care of everything for them. All they need to do is tell me what communication nugget they want to polish, and I'll take care of the rest. So if you know of an organization that's looking to disrupt their current communication challenge, their situation, send them my way at richard at doseofleadership.com. Okay, so enough with the plugs. Let's get on with the show and the content here. And um, Brad Lee is who we're going to talk to today. Again, the founder, chairman, and CEO of Lightspeed VT. I was excited to talk with Brad because I'm passionate about web-based training. And I've created some, even myself, an online leadership course. And when I had a chance to tour one of their satellite offices or one of their offices here in town, Lightspeed VT, I was blown away because Lightspeed VT had really has revolutionized the online training world. I mean, the clients they have and the, t- and the type of clients that they have. I mean, Grant Cardone is working with them. And it's it just... Their online interactive video-based training is what it is. And the way they keep in their communication platform and helping people and helping organizations drive new revenue streams and, and unique training. It's, it's just, I wish you could see it because it's so hard to explain and I'm not doing it justice, but it just blew me away. And I'm like, man, how did they come up with all this stuff? Well, it came up with the idea of my next guest and it's Brad. And Brad is, I think, the leading authority and the rock star when it comes to web-based training, uh, the platform he did. But most importantly, I love his entrepreneurial story, his journey on how he got to create this company. And uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. We get to the heart of it. We talk about how he started out in, as an actor and then and then into sales in, in automobile. And he had this idea uh, in the early 2000s. And the technology wasn't there with the idea, but he pressed for it anyway. And he kept trying new things and different things from CD-ROMs to you name it. And he just kept plugging away and it created this really fantastic business and that's just continuing to grow and I'm excited to see where it goes. So again, um, he sets the gold standard for how training is developed, tracked and reported. But most importantly, I love his story, his kind of gritty story about how he never gave up. And that's my big thing, when, especially when it comes to leadership, is never giving up. And I love how we talk, we talk about how he transitioned from entrepreneurship, understanding he has to be a leader. And I love his authenticity. I love his vulnerability. Just a great conversation. So without further ado, here is the founder, chairman, and CEO of Lightspeed VT, Bradley. Well, Brad, man, I'm so excited you're here on Dose of Leadership. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You know, I'm excited about to talk with you. I've, I've, I've known about your product and your company for about a couple of years, and I'm, I love what you do. Of course, I've been a content creator myself and always trying to find new and innovative ways to, to communicate and to get my creative stuff out there. 
I've always admired what you guys do at Lightspeed. How did it all start for you? Have you been an entrepreneur your whole life? You know, I think I've been a sales salesman my whole life. Entrepreneur, you know, depending on the definition, I I think I have, yes. What, what was the dream when you were, I don't know, say high school, college? What, what, what did you always want to do? You know, the dream originally was to be an actor. Oh, really? Yeah, I was going to... Uh, Yes, be, be an actor. And what happened? Did, did you go to? Um, were you in drama and stuff like that? Or I mean, what, what happened? Tell, tell me about that. Yeah, I was in drama. Did uh, did plays when I was little in drama in school. Did a, did an audition for a couple of commercials. Levi commercial got that. Uh, went out for a role. Got that. A little Hollywood? bit bigger role. Got that. And so I thought I'd be a movie star one day. Wow. So you you made the trek to Hollywood and all that. I did. Wow. I did. What was that like? I mean, was it, I just, I, that just seemed like it would just be fraught with rejection and how do you put up with that? Right. Well, sales is fraught with rejection yeah. and so was that. So I was already used to that a little bit, but you know, I went down there, didn't have much money, figured I'd just make it like most people do. Right. Ended up sleeping on a beach for about a week and a half or two weeks and decided, oh you know, I didn't really, I didn't really like that, uh, that poor lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. So when was this? What, what year was this? This was this was back in I would say about eighty four eighty five. Oh man, that's insane! So, what point did you, what what commercials or what roles was it something I would recognize? Well, I mean, a Levi commercial you would have recognized back in the day. They would have those Levi commercials that uh, yeah. ran at the time. So, I was in one of those. I was in Knott's Landing. You remember that show? Yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, uh, just little little parts. The one starring role that I got was in a movie called, it was, uh, they were going back and forth between names, Indian Summer or Dixie Lanes. Okay. It was with Hoyt Axton, Tina Louise, Karen Black, Ruth Buzzy. Um, <laughs> nowadays, you probably don't hear those names anymore. But anyway, I got the starring role and then the owner's son or the producer's son got out of a drug rehab. So they gave him my part. Oh my God. Yeah. So after that, I thought, well, how does, how can he do that? And they said, well, he's the one that's funding the movie. So, you know, it's kind of his, his decision. So I thought, wow, well, then what I'm going to do is go get rich so I can come back and be the guy funding the movies. And that kind of, you know, took the last 20 years. So that was, was that kind of the, um, was that the lowest moment or was that the, the defining moment you said, okay, well, screw this. I'm going to go make it on my own. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was pretty much the defining moment. Yeah. And so what did you do? I mean, you, did you get back into sales? Did you get into motivational speaking? What did you do? Yeah, no, I got back into sales, uh, sold whatever I could, you know, get hired to sell cars. Mainly I sold art. I've sold a lot of things over my career, but I think cars, I just went and got a job selling cars down there. And so how did this lead to the creation of Lightspeed VT? Well, I was, I excelled at selling cars and uh, found it actually enjoyable. I mean, I loved the car business when I was in it, uh, but I, but I excelled. And during my career, I developed a way to present a lease that showed the average person that leasing was no longer you know, a bad thing to do. Right. And a, a lot of the people were against leasing still, still a lot of people are, but, but not, not because it's, it's, you know, a bad thing to do just because they don't understand one. So right. I decided to present a lease in a particular way. So I kind of developed a lease presentation and then that led me to a lot of dealers trying to get me to train their individual sales teams. 
So I went around the country training salespeople and found that it was very difficult. It required repetition that I wasn't able to provide because I was only there a couple of days. And it wasn't as, as effective as I wanted it to be. You know, they were paying me good money to be there. I was charging, you know, between five and 10,000 a day. And I thought, man, I'm not really giving them their money's worth because as soon as I leave, these guys are going to forget half of what I said right. or, or even more. So I thought, I'm going to try and develop a, a way that will allow me to stick around. And so I kind of invented the idea for Lightspeed out of necessity. And that's kind of how it all started. Interesting, because you're sitting there, you're you're traveling all over, you're getting paid good money, but you it was kind of frustrating is what I'm hearing you say, right? Well, it was frustrating only because I like to do it. A, a good job, especially when I'm hired. Um, it was frustrating in that I couldn't effectively train people in a day or two. Right. You know, you, you have to have repetition in order to learn. And, and, you know, people can try and argue that, but that's just human fact. That's why we say our ABCs a hundred times before we even start to learn them. Right. That's why you have to listen to a song a thousand times before you can actually sing it. Otherwise you just kind of you know, you try to sing it, but but you screw up because you haven't heard it enough. So I just knew that I wasn't delivering what it is I wanted to deliver in, in quality. So I kind of set out a way to say, man, once I leave this dealership, how can these people have me and my information on a regular basis? And I and I went out to create originally interactive CD-ROMs before those were even used right. or cool, but once I developed those, you know, people would lose them. They'd get scratched. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a money-back guarantee. So I told dealers, if you use this system, of course, if you buy it from me and use this system, you're guaranteed to have an increase in gross revenue, mm. lease penetration, et cetera. And I'll give your money back if you ever do not see these results. Well, there was a disclaimer. The disclaimer was everybody had to be trained. Right. So with these CDs, I sold, you know, maybe 10 10 of them. And one of the dealers called and said he wanted his money back. Well, at this point in time, I really didn't have much money, let alone give his money back. Right. And so thankfully the disclaimer was there because, you know, everybody had to have been trained in order for that to work. So it took me $958. I remember it exactly $958 to get down to the dealer, travel down to the dealership in order to basically see if everybody was trained. Right. And the reason I remember it was 958 is because I only had about 300 bucks on me and I had to borrow. Oh my God. To get down there. And you know, my gosh, if, if he, if he wanted his money back, I would have tried to, you know, had to go borrow that or something. Oh so anyway, I traveled down there and walked in, spent about four hours waiting for the guy. He finally uh, came over to me. I'm sitting there, you know, mattered in hell already because he's right. making me wait four hours. I just spent more money than I had to go down there to see if somebody was trained. So I told him to bring in his best two sales guys or any two he wanted. And this lease presentation that I developed was very specific. If you, if you knew it, you know, it's easy to see that you knew it. Right. So they sat down and I said, tell me the lease presentation. And they started out and within three seconds, the GM looked at me and said, okay, thanks for coming in. Because the two obviously didn't know the lease presentation. Right. So basically I thought, you know, I don't want to have to, you know, fly everywhere to do this ever again. So I'm going to invent a way that I can see what's happening at the dealership online. You know, I can just log in and see who did what. And so, again, that's kind of how Lightspeed was built. I, I went into a studio, 
created uh, an interactive presentation of everything I did in person, um, attached analytics to it, real-time tracking and measurement so I could see who's doing what. And then I kept on selling the presentation for a while and started to be able to give that money back guarantee. And when the dealer called, I'd hit a button and say, nope, six of your people haven't even logged in. Wow. And so that worked, it worked incredible. That's cool. And and this had this is the early 2000s. I'm, I'm taking it. I'm just kind of guessing based on the time frame of what it says in your bio. Is this the early 2000s? It is. So, man, the technology is not even really at the speed about really to, to jive with your vision, right? I mean, what you really wanted to do, it really wasn't there quite yet. No, I was I was a little ahead of our time. Yeah. Yeah. How frustrating was that? Because it, this was not an overnight success, was it? No. Of course, most overnight successes take. Yeah, they always years. take a long time, right? <laughs> so true. So tell me about that. How how deep in the mud did you get during this time frame? What was the lowest point? Well, I mean, there was a lot of times where you know, because of course we developed the company and developed the technology since, obviously. Um, but at one point in time, I had to. I had to basically get a job again Wow! Uh, in the car business, coincidentally, to support the company. So I took a job as a general sales manager at a Honda dealership that was doing about 120 cars a month. I told them that I'd work there one year and told them that, you know, I'm, I'm getting this job so I can basically keep my company alive and pay its bills with the money I'm making here. And so one year later, they wanted me to go take over some other dealerships and be the uh, GM and go to GM school and stick with the company. And I resigned. I was making about, oh, I'd say two, 250000 a year, three hundred with bonuses. And, you know, they didn't think I would quit, but I funded the company long enough to, to survive that year. And one of my partners in, in the deal, Jason, He's he we gave him a piece or I gave him a piece of the company so he would never leave, which thankfully that happened. Anyway, he called me one day and he said, Brad, listen, you know, we just want to shut this down. You haven't been around for a year. You know, nothing happens. No one's calling. It's not working. And I said, well, you know, geez, I got to pay bills and whatnot. He said, listen, you can take all the money you need. But you, if you don't come back, we're shutting it down. So. Uh, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. I quit the the job at the car dealership, went back. I believe that was 2000, let's say five or six. Okay. And the gross revenues of the company were nothing. I was paying its bills. Expenses were about 4,000 a month at the time. And so I went back with the company and just started, you know, I just said, look, car business will always be here. Um, I can always come back to the car business or sales. So, yeah. you know, I just decided to, you know, jump out there. So I did that. And now we're doing well now. It's really struck out to me. I was thinking, wow, you know, you've got this skill set of, of sales. So if things, you know, aren't cutting it, you can always fall back on that. So that you, that must have given you a, a greater sense of confidence anyway, to take a leap. But even uh, though, even though you had that kind of cushion there, it, it would never take off until you fully committed and took that leap is what that's, that's what I took away from that. That's 100% accurate. Yeah. You got to take, take the taking leap. the leap. I forget who said it, but somebody said, you know, jump off the cliff, build your wings on the way down. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to bump exactly what I did. Yeah. You're going to get bumped along the way, but you know, that learning that skill set of sales, the more that I think about, it, the more that I've talked to, to people on the show, I mean, what a great skill set to fall back on. Well, absolutely. I think any large company started with the, with the background of someone sold somebody on something. Right. 
What's the key to think? What do you think the key to great salesmanship is? To be a good salesperson? Yeah. The ability to listen between the lines and think on your feet. And see, and I think that's so tied with leadership, right? I mean, I think so much of, of great leadership is, is exactly that. Having that emotional quotient or the emotional intelligence to really understand what someone is saying and really listen to pain points and know how to know how to solve those problems. Entrepreneurially, that's that's the key too, I think, right? Understanding what the pain point is. Absolutely. Yeah. We were just thinking about that. We were talking with a group of students this morning at a high school, and we were talking about that exact point that a lot of times, well, I come up with a great product idea, and then I do it, I celebrate a nice-looking website, nice-looking product, but then nobody wants it. And what you should do starting out is listen to the pain point and, and solve those people's problems. And that's kind of what you did with Lightspeed, is it not? I mean, you're like, okay, here's a pain point. They, no one was really coming to you with a pain point, but you saw that the pain point was, hey, this isn't resonating with anybody. How no, it was my pain point. Yeah, right. But, you know, turns out it's a lot of people's pain point. You know, there's a lot of speakers and training organizations that were out there doing the same thing I was with their own content, you know, missing their families, racking up the miles, you know, wearing out the suitcases. So as I began to get a little bit of, uh, you know, recognition in the industry, we ran into other larger speaking and training companies that and personalities that that kind of heard about me. Right. And right. and how well this was working. And they said, well, listen, we don't really care about your training, but we really love your platform. And so I decided that rather than try to compete with all of these people in this market, that maybe I would, you know, remove the training portion of it and just focus on the platform. So that's when we decided to become technically Lightspeed instead of Desert Sales Academy. And that's when we became Lightspeed. And we just started focusing on the technology and supported the other training and speaking organizations in that industry and rapidly grew to where now we have, you know, 10 to 20,000, you know, new and used car dealers using our system. You know, and it's interesting at that pivot point that you did that because, and, and I've been sitting there trying to articulate the difference and I, it's, and bear with me on when I try to explain this, but I look at your product and I look at the videos and I look at what your clients, what, what you've produced for clients, and there's nothing really else out there like it. I mean, it's almost like if you were a soft drink, you know, you would be a Coke and there's a bunch of Shastas and RCs and generic Colas, but there's no Pepsi. You see what I'm saying? It's like there's that big gap. Yeah. Is, that a, is that a fair? I mean, I no, can't. I, you're, no, I mean, they're, they're close. I mean, a better analogy is everyone has a brick phone and I've got an iPhone. Yeah, right. I mean, the RC and the Shastas, you know, they were still colas and they weren't quite the same flavor, but they were close. Right. So that's not a good analogy because there's really nothing close to Lightspeed when it comes to web-based interactive training and communication technology. You know, you've got the, the, the large companies, some much larger than us, obviously, but, uh, you know, they're, they're basically storage yeah. Web-based storage for videos and, and whatnot, where ours is user experience based. Yes. You know, we care about what the user actually learns, how they feel, do they want to train? You know, and it, what's ironic, and this is the biggest thing. I mean, I know this podcast is about leadership and, uh, you know, I want to talk a little bit about that. But the biggest thing to me that I, in my last 15 years dealing with, I mean, some of the biggest companies, some of the biggest brands and you would think that they would have technology like mine or better, and they don't. You know, they're just mm -hmm. there's just a lot of red tape, a lot of bureaucracy, and, and ironically and surprisingly, not a lot of training going on 
it's unbelievable how, especially in sales training, right? People will hire salespeople, give them a brochure, and tell them to go sell. When in reality, you know, they need some training. The employees need training. Yeah. And if you care about your employees, and that's where I'm going with the leadership is, you know, if you're a good leader, you know, you you need to care about developing your people. You need to replace yourself. You need to lead. And and sometimes, you know, I'll I have a Twitter account where, you know, I've got not too many, but about 7,000 followers. Mainly it's because of the tweets that I put out there. They're they're kind of leadership motivated based tweets, right. but one of the tweets I said is, you know, sometimes you'll find the leader in the back pushing. And I don't remember where I originally heard something like that. I kind of put my own twist on it. But a lot of the times people don't realize leadership means get in the back and mm-hmm. support. So true. And that resonates with me. And you're right. Because a lot of times, you know, we think we need to be the person out front with all the answers. I think as a minimum, you got to have the forward thinking vision. And, and that's what's striking me about you is that you, you always had that vision of where you wanted to take it. And so yeah. at some point as an entrepreneur, I, I'm sure you had to – you you had to make that transition or at least start understanding leadership if you wanted to take this company to the next level. Do you remember when that happened or have you always considered yourself and understood the importance of leadership from the beginning? No, unfortunately, I think I would already have been a lot farther than I am. I had to learn the hard way. I had to learn the value of culture. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't have a, I didn't have a vision or a mission or, or a purpose um, or at least documented, you know, I did in my mind, but I thought, you know, a lot of that leadership uh, was was a lot of, uh, you know, ambiguous nonsense. Right. A little immature. And uh, as I grew, I realized how how very important it is. Yeah. Entrepreneurship and leadership are, are I think if you're going to have a sustained or a legacy or some kind of sustainable business, you have to understand it. They're, they're married together. They're tied at the hip. And, and you have to understand it. Of course, at the beginning, it's about the product and the idea and the vision and the cash flow and all that thing. But to get it to kind of on a rolling, sustainable level, at some point, leadership has to come front and center. Absolutely. What, what kind of leader would you think? How have you evolved? I mean, where, where are you now, do you think, in your leadership journey? You know, I think I've come a long way. I, I don't know if it's a lack of, you know, confidence or being naive, but, you know, I think I think others think I'm a better leader than I do. Mm. Um, but, you know, I've got a long way to go. You know, I think that it's interesting you said that. And I'm so I'm so thank you for that kind of that transparency in that, because I've talked to a lot of high level leader leaders that I thought, man, they got it all together. And confidence is one of the it's almost universal that everybody struggles with it, no matter what level they're at. And. On one hand, it's refreshing. On one hand, it's kind of like it's kind of sad, but that way that we as individuals struggle with that confidence. But I think that shows a healthy sign of of humility at the same time, too. Right. I mean, I think that a little dose of it isn't so bad, but um, I'm glad that you shared that because a lot of people struggle with confidence. Why do you think that is? Well, you know, I don't know. In my own case, I, I just don't I just don't like, for example, if I didn't found the company, I don't think I'd be CEO. I mean, like, yeah, sometimes I think people are thrust into a leadership position. Oh, that's so true. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and as far as, again, training leaders, I mean, we have people on our platform that have some unbelievable leadership training. And again, that's, that's why I said I'm, I'm developing quickly. I'm, I'm a million times better than I used to be, but a million times uh, I, better I could be. But, you know, we have some some clients, you know, the guy that uh, that that coaches 
Ohio State Buckeyes, yeah. uh, Urban Meyer. Yeah. You know, his, his uh, you know, I, I don't want to say his coach, but uh, technically it's his coach, Tim Kite and Brian Kite. You know, they have a VT system. I've been going through a lot of their material, and it's just amazing, amazing information. A guy by the name of Ford Taylor. Have you heard of Ford yes, Taylor? Yes, I have. Yeah. If, I mean, Ford Taylor has transformational leadership. Now, you know where his stuff comes from, so you can't argue with that. But I can tell you that when you apply it to businesses and just, you know, relationships and how to be a better father and how to be a better brother and how to be a better person altogether, you start to realize that's all leadership. Everything. It encompasses everything. And I think, you know, and I, I'll be the first to admit as much as I was getting front-hand leadership in the Marine Corps and everything else, I mean, it wasn't until, you know, a series of of drastic mistakes on my part in having splat moments into my forties, not realizing that it was that all encompassing, you know, and it's kind of sad that it takes us that long sometimes or a splat moment to make us realize that how, how encompassing it really is. Before I I thought leader was, you know, uh, I confused leadership with management. Yeah, me too. And I think leadership is a little bit uh, more of, of a visionary, if you will. Yeah. It's always forward thinking, you know, and it surprised me. I saw a statistic that Jim Cousin is very positive. They, for 30 years, they've, they've done this worldwide survey of leadership. And the number one trait that what we would look for in a leader is integrity. The number one compared if you and I were friends, what, what is my expectation of you as a friend? It's integrity. But the number two thing, if I, what do I look for in a leader is forward thinking. And that kind of I was surprised when I saw that, but it makes sense now that I hear that, that as a leader, we want our leaders to be forward thinking. If I'm looking to you as a manager or friend, it's not forward thinking. And um, so, yeah, having that vision. And when I'm hearing your story, and it's so like so many other entrepreneurs who've kind of found themselves thrust in this leadership role that you said that, wow, I, I've got a lot to learn. If it's any consolation, I don't think it ever ends, by the way. You never plant your flag and say, I've arrived as a leader. Because if, you, if you're saying that, you're probably going to gear yourself up for a fall. Yeah, well, I, I would have to agree with that. Now, now I'm embracing the, the leadership role a, a lot better than I used to, only because, you know, I'm starting to understand its definition. And, um, you know, I'm starting to realize what, to me at least, a leader is. And again, a leader is the person that, you know, can think fast and, and determine where to go and how to get out of a situation and to deal with a crisis and and solutions. And, and after 15 years of, of the battle, before I would have said, I don't think I, I should be the leader of this company um, because, again, I was confusing it with management. Yeah. Now, I don't think anyone could lead this company better than I. Yeah. Yeah. And I, oh, I love, I love that kind of awareness because it's true. I think if, if you can get comfortable with the fact that you don't have to have all the answers, that it is more about kind of suspending the belief on how it's going to get done. You just know it's going to get done. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's almost instinctual. Yeah. You know, you know how many people said that this wasn't going to work? Oh, I like, tons. I bet. Just, yeah. Tons. I mean, it's like now it's going from 52, uh, billion dollar industry. Next year, they're saying it will be a hundred billion dollar industry. So this industry is going to double wow. by next year. And back when I started, I mean, imagine trying to sell something when nobody, and I'm talking about nobody, believed in it. I yeah, I can imagine. Like, yeah, that, and especially because that's when I made up that comment. I was like, wow, this is okay. Two thousand, two thousand two, three. Man, I, I see what you want to do, but man, the technology's not there. It's just not there. Well, it, well, it was there, but no one knew about it because we had it. 
Yeah. And so how do you, that's the other thing I wanted to talk to you about because you seem like a guy and obviously you have to be good. You're very tenacious. You don't ever give up. How do you think, where do you think that comes from? You know, I don't know. Uh, I've always been that way. When I was, when I was younger, you know, I had a couple of older brothers that, you know, and, and, and a, and a set of parents that kind of were the type of parents that children should be seen and not heard type of deal. Right. Where we kind of almost kind of grew up on our own. Not, not, you know, like that sounds, but not not on the street or anything. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah, No, but like, you know, we were just kind of left to, to our own devices with a little bit of, of, uh, monitoring. It was almost like, you know, I, I almost feel like I grew up on my own. Yeah. But, uh, I think it came from having a couple of older brothers that were never told not to, not to razz me and punch me and, and whatnot. <laughs> right. Um, and I didn't want to lose. I mean, I just, I'm very competitive. I never wanted to lose. Yeah. I think having that environment, having those brothers. Yeah. I think sometimes that can, that can create that competitive drive and that spirit that can be a good thing. I'm curious, whose shoulders are you standing on? Who do you consider your heroes? You know, that's a good question. You know, there's just so many. I mean, I admire different people for different things. You know, as long as the person has ethics and their base is, is in integrity. I think um, I can find a hero in everybody. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're if you're cheating on your wife and you're out doing drugs and you're ripping people off and you're selling people crap that falls apart and you're, you know, you're just overall not a very ethical person, then I have nothing to do with you. But if you have ethics and you are, you know, a good person and you're and you and your word means something. I mean, I still do handshake deals, believe it or not. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, if you're if you if your word means something and you have integrity, I don't care if you're a billionaire or you started a large company or you've raised, you know, beautiful children. I know some people that are my biggest heroes. They don't have much money at all, but they've got the best kids I've ever met in my life. It's having that character. Yeah, it's, it's just, again, it's just doing the right thing, man. Those people are my heroes, the people that do the right thing. You know, one thing I love about entrepreneurship and this show and, and um, you know, before I did this show, my circle was a lot smaller. This this show has expanded my circle beyond my wildest dreams. And one of the great benefits of it, and the more that I've studied uh, or surrounded myself with people like yourself and other other leaders, thought leaders, entrepreneurs, is that the overriding theme is tenacity. But the other thing that always comes out that I don't think a lot of people who aren't who only see entrepreneurs from the outside is most of the entrepreneurs that are really great and sustainable um, are almost so giving in nature. They almost give everything away, whether it be knowledge. I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about knowledge. Um, sharing, mentoring, and everything else. You strike me as one of those guys. Is that a fair assessment? I Yes. Yes. <clears throat> I, I've been accused of being generous for sure, sometimes to a fault, but absolutely I agree with that. Because the entrepreneurs you've seen, the people that you've emulated, they did the same thing, right? I mean, almost every really significant entrepreneur, not a fly-by-night, but a significant entrepreneur is is a complete giver. Well, I think because I think because – you know, they have a mindset of abundance. Yeah. Great point. The abundant mindset, right? There's always, there's plenty for everything to go around, right? And the more that you give, the more you're going to get, you're going to get back tenfold or infinity fold, you know, a a thousand percent. You know, one of my heroes, he's passed now was Zig Ziglar. Oh yeah. You know, cause I, I deal with a lot of, you know, big name authors and speakers and trainers and, you know, there's not, a whole bunch 
out there that really, really do what they're teaching you to do. So like I know sales trainers that tell you to, you know, cold call, but they don't cold call. They don't do it. I know sales people or sales trainers that'll tell people to do things that they really don't believe, but you know, it sounds good and they made it into a really slick sales presentation. So, so, so they teach it and you know, they don't really actually do it, but, but Zig Ziglar, he actually did everything he told people to do and look at the, he used to say, uh, and I'll try to use Zig's voice. He said, a good way to get what you want (laughs) is to help others get what they want. Yeah. That's pretty good. (laughs) Or some variation of that. Yep. Oh yeah. And he's amazing. Right. And everybody loves Zig. And that's why, I mean, yeah, he, he lived, he did what he said he was going to do. He, he lived what he taught and you're so true. There's so few of them do that. Maxwell talks about that too. And a lot of people that know Maxwell said he's the same way that he does exactly, you know, and he even says that I won't teach something that I don't, I'm not doing. And I was guilty of that even before, you know, kind of my splat moment, I, I could talk a good game, but I wasn't necessarily the same guy you saw on stage that, but then I was behind the scenes. But it goes back to what you were saying. It's like always doing the right thing, even when no one's looking, right? That's really the, at the heart of it. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's to answer your question in a long way, that's who I stand on the shoulders of. That's who I think are my heroes, whether rich or successful is, is irrelevant. As long as they're good, ethical people who do the right thing, try to help others and make the world a better place. Well, I got to tell you, Lightspeed VT, and I, I, I hope people can because I've seen, you know, beside the scenes, I've seen inside the studios, I've seen some of this, and it is just so different. I wish I could just articulate it better, but it is. There's something about the technology and the experience that is just. There's nothing even close to it, and well, I think it's so. Cool. I, I believe it's because of the same thing we were just talking about. Like I care about someone that has to actually use it. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever been on these online learning systems that I are have. out there in the yeah, world. Yeah, I have. Yeah. And okay. Well, it's like it's like it's like you know, scraping nails on a chalkboard. I know it's, it's horrible. Yeah. And you know, the, the boss that tells you to do it, they don't care. They're told that to tell you to do it. So they just tell you to do it. And you know, it, it's not even effective. You know, a lot of these companies training programs, some oh. of the companies care and they do have training programs obviously, but they're not very effective. So it'd be like, you know, you being my personal trainer, having me go to the gym uh, ride the, ride the treadmill for two seconds, lift one weight and then meet me at Dunkin' Donuts. It's like, you're not going to do anything like that. No, it's not going to work. So a lot of these companies, they, that's their training program. They say, here, watch this video. And when they're done, that person's trained. Training isn't something you did. It's something you do. And you have to have repetition and accountability. Somebody has to hold you accountable to it. So if I'm training you how to answer my phone and I walk by and hear you answer it completely different than what we just trained you to stop and hold you accountable. And businesses would increase their productivity dramatically if they just put in an effective training program and held people accountable to the training. So repetition and accountability is key. And I think the reason our technology is different is because it's it's like an you know, I always say a flip phone to an iPhone. It's just smarter than the rest because we care about people who have to use it. Yeah. There's thought behind it. Yeah. That's that. I think that's the key. There's thought behind the actual user and you're and just like you said right there, I heard it, the passion in your voice about why it's so important that we train our people. It is amazing how few companies do take that time to fully invest in their people. It should be one of their primary 
primary investments. And um, of course, I'm speaking as a trainer myself, but yeah. But you know, you'll be surprised. I'd go into I'd go into dealer groups where they're spending fifty thousand dollars a month to get people through the door. And they won't even spend a thousand to know. train the people to take care of those customers. That's insanity. So you're going to spend fifty thousand a month, like it's nothing, to send people into your organization, but to spend a thousand dollars training the people that are to receive those customers is out of the question. And one time we did a couple of studies with a few dealers. This is interesting. What we did was they did not want to pay for training whatsoever. So what I told them was this: I said, listen. You put, how much are you spending on advertising? 50,000. Okay, you spend $5,000 training your people and $45,000 advertising, and I will bet that you get more business from the $45,000 advertising investment and a $5,000 training investment than you will just a $50,000 advertising investment alone. And sure enough, it works every single time. That That is awesome. So a lot of times people are spending the money, but they're just not getting the value. Right. Well, I think it's, I, I suppose maybe they're, they, because it's been so ineffective in the past, because we've all sat down in front of those training of the mandatory fund or the mandatory training, and we're just either on a computer, just clicking through it or just sitting in that class because we have to, and they got some mediocre trainer getting us through the program. Maybe that's why they just don't think it's effective. I don't know. No, no, that, you know what, that just resonated with me. I made a note, you know, for future advertisement, because I always try to figure out, you know, why is it people don't value training? And, you know, it's probably because what you just said, because it's been so ineffective in the past. It's one of those things where they just don't have any confidence that it works. And and what's crazy is they think they're doing it, right? So it's like, yeah, I've, trained. I've done all that. I tried all that and, it, and nothing really changed. The needle didn't move. So we're just not into it. When in reality, they weren't even training for, you know, no, right. It's, it's crazy, but, but we're, we're changing it. You know, there's a lot of companies out there using our technology that are seeing unbelievable results. We had a, we had a company that was, it, you know, it was very difficult to train their, their product into an organization that they sold it to. And it took them three days and a lot of traveling to do so. We virtualized their training and allowed them to scale. And within one year, they sold for 160 million. Wow! It was a startup that could they had a great product, but very difficult to scale. So when they saw our technology, they're like, "You can train software with that. Um, you can train everything we do in person with that, and we can do it on demand overnight. We can be in everywhere at once." And uh, they went ahead and pulled the trigger, and sure enough, a year later, they sold for 160 million because they were, uh, you know, in X amount of locations, and it was unbelievable story. They, they, if you talk to that founder, he'll he'll credit a lot of that to to the ability to scale his training. Wow, it's important. I mean, you know, and coming from you were in the Marine Corps, right? well, yeah, well, and flying planes. I mean, it was all it's all about training. Everything, every single flight is a training flight. Every single if you're just going out and doing a real life mission or whatever, when you come back, you come back and do a practice single engine approach because it's, it's the training is continuous. It never stops. Now, if businesses did that and individuals believe that this world would be a better place. Our economy would be better. Families would have more money. See, that's what I'm passionate about is to get people to understand what you just said. And, And by the way, to me, 
as a leader, that's where I'm going. Yeah. I'm going to where people, people, and by the way, I mean, if you look at our vision, purpose, and mission statement, you know, it's where we're going and, you know, how we're going to get there and, and that type of thing. I want to inspire people to learn because if, if, if you're pulling teeth to get them to do it, it's not going to be as effective. So you just hit it on the head. You know, what's red flag? You said you were out here for yep. red flag. Uh-huh. It's a, it's a huge training. It's all about training. It's all about training. And then you go to, uh, you know, boot camp training. Everything. Why do they train you for so long? Why don't they just hand you a gun? Yeah. It's continuous. You know, it's all about training. And, and I think if, if, if there's any leadership qualities that can be taught, you know, it's not like management, managing management can be taught. Leadership can't necessarily be taught. It's just learned and enhanced through, you know, learning things and, and, and coaches and mentors. But if, if, if one thing someone came to me and said, how can I be a better leader? I'd say, be a better teacher, be a better trainer. Oh yeah. Embrace training. Yeah. That is a great point. You know, it's it, being a leader is establishing um, a teacher scholar kind of mentality throughout your organization. It's never a boss subordinate. It's always a teacher scholar. And if you can, if you can grasp that, man, nobody can stop you because I think training is continuous. You're absolutely right. Training should be continuous. And I think we, it's something we feel like we we're forced to do, but it shouldn't, it should be, it should be every day, every, every time we're doing because the training, it's almost like the thing I get passionate about or my big pet peeve is why, why do we plan? And planning is kind of like training in a way. And, and I think a lot of people that, in particularly in the corporate arena that I've noticed over the past 15 years, is I see people planning because they're hoping things will go completely smooth. And for me, I've always looked at planning like training. Well, I plan because it, it makes me better prepared for the inevitable unforeseen that's going to happen. It help, you know, I plan so it becomes second nature so that I can dedicate my time and energy and focus on the engine fire that I wasn't expecting. And that rattles me a little bit, but I get composed because I've just done so much freaking training that I can pretty much fly by muscle memory now while I'm dealing with this fire. Does that make sense? It makes a thousand percent sense, man. Uh, you know, let's, let's put that out of there in a book, put that <laughs> right. on a bumper sticker. Yeah. Oh, know, I love if people, if people did that in sales and, and some do, and by the way, they're the most successful salespeople out there. They're the ones making all the money. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's salespeople that no matter what you say, they've practiced and rehearsed and drilled and practiced and rehearsed to where no matter what you say, it doesn't affect them because they're so highly trained. Yeah. It's the training. You're right. I can imagine even putting yourself, or even just given a, say you're a keynote speaker. And it's like, and, and the the great ones, the ones that we were like, holy, the guys that are getting paid twenty five, you know, to forty thousand a keynote, they're practicing the speech they've already done ten thousand times. They're still practicing it. Why are they practicing it? Not so that they're going to make it that much better. It's so that when the mic goes out or. Um, the, you know, a heckler j- jumps up in the audience. Um, they meet them. These aren't the best examples, but you get my point that they can just automatically, they know it's so good that they can ad- improvise, adapt and overcome to whatever situation gets thrown their way. Yeah. And I don't know if you've been to a lot of speeches or keynotes from a lot of these guys, but I have, mm-hmm. and I can tell you that they are rehearsed. They are practiced. Their pauses are the same. Yes. 
I mean, I've been to a series of, of, of keynotes for a particular individual and literally when they pause, yep. It's that like I just did is the same at every show that's rehearsed. That is practice. That is training. They are trained to do that. And, and by the way, you know, practice is training. Yep. Same thing with sports. You know, you get the, you get the football athletes, the baseball athletes, the basketball athletes. Why is it they're, they practice all the time. They only have a few games a season, but they're, but they practice 10 times more than they play. Why is that? Well, obviously when it comes to sports, everybody agrees you got to train. But when it comes to business, when it comes to development, they don't. And what's crazy is when you really think about it, when it comes to, you know, being a better father, being a better friend, being a better son, being a better leader, why wouldn't you train? And by the way, you know, I commend you because of this podcast. This is training. People listening to this religiously is training. They're learning Mm -hmm. better techniques better ways to handle better situations. And I commend anyone listening to this because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that they just do not understand the value of, of development. I love it, man. I love the intentionality that you're talking about. The, the, a lot of you, you hit on so many great points in this conversation from, you know, the, the big takeaway for me was the vision, the never giving up at the early age, the tenacity, always going back, having that vision, um, developing that, having something to fall back on and doing what you had to do to make the business survive and never forgetting. I mean, that really struck with me. And that's what I love about your story. And then the fact too, that, you know, making the leap from, um, okay, I'm an entrepreneur and now I got to start talking about leadership, the humility. There's so many great points, Brad, in this conversation that I hope, hope my listeners uh, got out of this. I mean, I don't know what, what do you, how did this conversation feel for you? Well, you know, I'm just kind of having a discussion, so I'm not I'm not really cognizant of what I'm you know, <laughs> points I'm yeah. points I'm trying to make. But but I, I agree with those. And you know what's funny is earlier today I talked to a guy where we started out about the same time, you know, and he's still doing his thing, trying different things, and he's you know still haven't hasn't given up, which is great. But you know, he said uh, I said whatever happened to that one deal, and he said we were too early, and I said. That's one way to look at it. He goes, what do you mean? I said, well, maybe you just didn't hang in there long enough. Yeah. Because if you're too early, how is that a reason to fail? That would make you first. That's right. <laughs> so there's no such thing as we were too early. You didn't hang in there long enough. You know, and that's always the difference. You know, I, I can tell you every, almost 300 interviews like this, and that is the overriding thing. It's never smarts. It's never more money. It's never... um no one will say it's luck. It's just, it's never quitting. It's never quitting. Yeah. And I can tell you right now, that is a fact. I, I, I'd like to sit, sit here and, you know, act like, you know, I knew this and man, <laughs> right. I'm the greatest, but I'll tell you, I did it on accident. You want to, I'll tell everyone my secret. Here's what I did. And if someone applies this to anything, it works. And it, it's all about what you're talking about. Tenacity, determination, never given up. But here's how I did it. Because I didn't think to myself, I'm never going to give up. Right. I, I made myself believe that everything was going to happen in 90 days. So when I started, people would say, how's it going? And I would say, man, in 90 days, it's going to be unbelievable. <laughs> and you could come back 90 days later and say, 
so how's it going? And I'd go, buddy, in 90 days, it's going to be amazing. And for some reason, whether it was, again, myopic thinking or, or, you know, tunnel vision, but literally I thought in 90 day chunks. And right now to this day, I kid you not, I think in 90 days from now, this company will be night and day different. Where if you ask me, how's it going? Well, yeah, we're at a much different level. We're doing millions of dollars a year. We have thousands of customers. And, you know, that's not the point. In 90 days from today, call me back, do another interview, and I'll bet you it's night and day difference. I think I'm stuck in a 90-day window. It's almost like Groundhog's Day. I like that. But anyway, so, yeah, if someone were to say, well, Brad, teach me just one easy way to, to win and succeed, well, that's what it would be. It would be look down. First of all, figure out what you want yeah. because I can't, I can't tell you, you know, how many people say, you know, how do I do this and how do I do that? And reality is most people don't know what they want and it's harder to figure out what you want than it is to get what you want because you can pretty much get anything you want, but to really understand what it is you want is the hard part. But once you figure that out, I can tell anyone how to get it. It's real simple. It's make the plan. Look down for 90 days and work your tail off. Look up in 90 days. If, if what you want is not sitting right in front of your face, look back down for 90 days and do it again. And one of those 90-day increments, you will look up and it will be there. You just can never give up. I love that. I really do love that. And I think it's it's so true. It's something like, it's like I was telling a guy today or last week and he, he came back and he said, it's so true. And this is true in my life too. And I find myself in those situations where either, you know, I, I, I know what I want to do. You're right. Finding what you want to do is very hard. Okay. So we, we've got past that point. What is it I want to do? I know what I want to do now. I don't know what to do. And like I told this um, buddy of mine, I said, just start doing something in that and look down, like you said, and see where, where it starts to take you. Because once you start doing that, it's like the universe has to move for you. So things just have to start happening. It's kind of like when, okay, I don't have any clients coming in the door and I can sit there and I can fret and get my, my stomach in knots, no cash flow coming in. If I just start, okay, with a plan, like you said, make a plan. I'm going to contact 10 people today, 10 people I've never contacted before. I'm going to follow up with five people that I haven't talked to in six months, whatever the plan would be. I'm going to do three podcasts this week. And if I continue to start doing it, it's almost like I may not get a client nine times out of 10. I don't, I don't get a client from the direct efforts like of the 10 new people or the five people I follow up, but out of the blue, here comes this person that needs my help. Does that make sense? It's almost like because I'm doing the work, the universe starts to move. Does that sound weird? Nope. Not to me. I believe in it a thousand percent. Yeah. For every action, there's a reaction. Yeah. Negative or positive, you know, and that's another thing, you know, I truly believe that every problem that someone has to find the cause of that problem is by looking in the mirror choices. Usually, and, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, someone's struck with an illness. Obviously it's not necessarily their choice that did it, but I'm talking about, you know, day to day problems people face. I can't pay my rent. I can't cover payroll. I can't do this. I can't do that. It's always when you trace it back to the source yep. about the choices they made again, that, you know, my tweets, I said, one of the, you know, a lot of these tweets get put on memes and, and, and posters. But one of the things I used to say is, 
you know, training isn't something you did. It's something you do. Right. And, you know, a lot of trainers pick that up. I've seen them on memes. I originated that because it's not something you did. It's something you do. People train. That's how you get to be the best. Um, but to me, what you just said resonated the most, because if you can't see where you're going, you know what I mean? Yep. Just start going and it'll eventually, you know, you'll see it when you get there. Exactly. I love it. Man, Brad, I've loved this conversation. It's hard to believe we've only been talking for an hour. This is just amazing. I just love hearing your story. I love, you know, your insights. I love your transparency, your authenticity. I'm excited to see uh, what's going to happen in the next, not only the next 90 days, but the next 10 years with with your company, with what you're going to do. Uh, man, you'll always have a welcome home here at Dose of Leadership, and I appreciate you coming on the show. How can people get in touch with you? I can be, you can find me on um, most of the social media. I'm starting to kind of get out on social media a little bit, but my Twitter is at the real Brad Lee, spelled L-E-A. Um, Facebook, just Brad Lee on Facebook. Uh, Snapchat, the real Brad Lee. Instagram, the real Brad Lee. Um, they can call my office. Uh, they can find me on the website, lightspeedvt.com. And uh, I hope if anyone, if I can help anyone, again, feel free to reach out. I'd love to help. Yeah. And if any listeners out there, if, if you're in a corporation or if you're a content creator and you're looking at an innovative way to uh, do training in-house or if you're a content creator to get it out to, um, to your audience, you've got to check out. Uh, Brad's company, and I'll have links to all that on there. It's just amazing. It's light and day difference uh, from what's out there. It is the cream of the crop when it comes to interactive training. So Brad, thanks for coming on the show. Richard, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership eBook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com. 